0: Thank you, Alma. Okay. Now, good evening. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter into action is step eight, and our speaker for tonight is Nancy Z. Thank you, Nancy. Take it away. Hey, thanks. Thank you so much, um,
1: Betty. And thanks everyone for your service. It's really um I'm really happy to be here tonight. I uh this was one of my regular meetings for quite a while, CYOC. And you know, things have changed and I'm getting old and I can't stay up that late anymore. But no, I just um have some other things going on, but it's really good to be back here and to see familiar faces. And thanks for asking me um, to chair or to lead tonight. So I'm talking about step eight tonight, but I do want to tell you a little bit about me and where I've come from and where I'm at today. Um, so I believe that I came out of the womb a compulsive eater. Um, I used to blame my mom for having a weight problem as a child because she told me that when I was a baby, I would cry a lot, and she would feed me. That's what she did when I cried. Cause she had three little ones. Um, she had four kids within four years. So she had three little boys running around. She didn't have time for a crying baby. So she'd give me a bottle and I used to blame her and, you know, you created my fat cells. And, uh, and then one day I realized after being in this program for a little while, I realized that I was a baby that drank the milk. You know, I mean, babies spit out milk, or they won't drink it if they're, but I wanted the milk, I drank it, even at that age, I was a compulsive eater. Um, and it sort of has followed me my entire life. I, uh, I was heavy through high school, um, and all the shame that came with that, the horrible times going to uh, shopping, um, I had really bad body dysmorphia. I look at pictures now of when I was younger and and I was not nearly as heavy as I projected as I saw myself. But um, even then I was obsessed with my body, obsessed with food, obsessed with me. Um, When I was 19 or 20, right after high school, I decided I was not going to be fat all my life, like my mother and my aunt and many of my other um, cousins and aunts. And so I went on a diet Went to a doctor. Went on a diet. He actually gave me diet pills, uh, which helped, and um, and I started losing weight. And as I lost weight, I started getting attention. My brothers even were telling me how nice I looked, and um, and it really had a. I had such a sense of power over that, and that became my goal. Then was to see how thin I could become, and I um, I cut back food. Cut back food exercised. In the meantime, I moved here to South Bend from a small town in Ohio. Um, and uh, by the time I, I had moved out here when I was 17, I met my husband when I was 18 and I married him when I was 19. And by the time I married him, I had, I was under a hundred pounds. I'm five, four, five, three and a half now, but five, four at a hundred, less than a hundred pounds. I was pretty emaciated and I could not see it my period had stopped. Um, I was totally obsessed with food. Um, I didn't have any energy. Uh, My life was pretty crazy. After I got married, I, um, I lost the ability to starve. Uh, I couldn't, I was alone a lot because my husband worked night shifts and, and I'd never been alone that much before. And I started to turn to food for comfort and I started eating more and more. And within the next Three years, I uh, I gained quite a bit of weight back. I was ashamed, embarrassed. Um, I forgot to mention too that I'm also recovering alcoholic and um, addict. And in within the three years of getting married, I discovered or figured out I had a problem with alcohol, and I joined Alcoholics Anonymous. And really, I thought that if I stopped drinking and doing drugs, that I would stop eating because it always seemed like when I drank or I smoked that I would eat. So it made sense in this head that I would stop eating, right? Uh, Well, I didn't, I just transferred my addiction to more, um, more binging, uh, exercise, uh, exercising over exercising. And um, within a few months of getting sober, I started throwing up, I started purging. Prior to that, I was purging using laxatives and exercise. And um, I started throwing up and I was 23 at this time, and um, my life was a mess. Uh, so I sat in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was um, uh, I was miserable. I was just so into my eating disorder. Um, within around that time, I got introduced to Overeaters Anonymous, and I started going to meetings. Um, but I really did not. I didn't get it. I didn't get the whole thing about surrendering my food to God. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't understand how to do that. Um, within the next, I'm going to fast forward, within the next um, few years, I ended up going to treatment twice, a, inpatient treatment for anorexia and bulimia. Um, the second treatment program that I went to, I came out and I I had recovery. Um, I, I really understood my powerlessness over food and I was um, working the 12 steps. And I was hopeful that my life was going to change. Unfortunately, that didn't last long because I failed to enlarge my spiritual condition and um, food was still my God. Every moment of the day, I was thinking about food, what I was eating, what I wasn't eating, how many calories I had, what my body looked like. I mean, it was just a litany of insanity. And um, I stayed, quote, abstinent. And in other words, I didn't throw up, uh, binge or throw up. I didn't throw up. I did binge, but I didn't throw up for almost three years. And at the end of that three years, um, that's a lot of willpower um, and I broke and I threw up and I was right back into bulimia as as bad, if not worse than it had ever been. This went on and off uh, for the next several years. Um, all in all, as I counted it up, I started binging and purging, vomiting, when I was 23 or 24. And I stopped binging and purging and vomiting when I was 62. So quickly do the math there. That's a long time to be in this eating disorder. I did a lot of damage to my body. I did a lot of damage to my soul. I did a lot of damage to my relationships um and, yeah, and it was not it was not a pretty life, let me tell you. Uh, but You know, and I, so let me just kind of back up. I was in OA then until 2009, eight, nine, something like that. And then I left because OA doesn't work, right? So I'm going to go find another solution. So I was out for, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 years, something like that, looking for other solutions. And there are some great solutions out there. I will tell you, there really are. And they work for other people, but they did not work for me. And there's someone in this program who says, you know, I would, I would start something new and it would work a little while until, and then it, and then it stopped working and it never worked again. And that's how I was, you know, I'd get this great new plan. Um, I gravitated towards neuroscience. So I'm going to try to, you know, regrow the pathways in my brain (laughs) to think differently. It really isn't like a science, but, um, but, uh, and I would be gung ho about it and I'd do it for like a short period of time. And then boom, I'd be, I'd relapse, and then I'd be right back into the food and the purging and the misery. Um, This went on. I came back into OA in 2017, and um, in December of 2020, I hit my bottom uh, with binging and throwing up. And I called someone and asked them to be my sponsor. And from that day forward, you guys, I can't explain it, but from that day forward, I have not had one urge to binge. Or vomit, uh, and that was a consistent part of my life. I got some really horrendous stories about about um, practicing my disease, and I don't. That was my, the miracle in my life. Um, so I have been abstinent from binging, purging, and sugar since December twenty second, two thousand twenty. Um, I restarted my abstinence this past April because I decided that'd be a good idea to try one of my yellow foods um and not tell anybody about it i was just going to do it on my own right cuz i can handle this and um and so i did and i couldn't handle it uh i got pretty crazy pretty obsessed with food and um again i hit a bottom um and i was on my knees in tears crying and begging god for help uh, so by the grace of god i did get help and i did get back on track and um So that's, I don't know, April, eight months, nine months, something like that. And I have such a freedom today. It's, it's unbelievable to me, the freedom that I have around food. Um, I'm very cautious about my food. I'm very protective of my abstinence. Um, but I do not obsess about food. I do. I can go where not my food is being served and not have a desire for any of it. And, um, and I live in gratitude today. I really am, have been doubling up on my gratitude and uh, and I have so much to be grateful for. So um, that brings me up to where I'm at today and step eight.
2: Okay, um, Nance, you have 10 minutes left.
1: Oh, thank you, Jackie. God, that time goes so fast. Okay, um, then I'm gonna just tell you where I'm at with the steps and with step eight in particular. Uh, I, I am going through the steps again. I, this is the third time that I've gone through them since I got abstinent in 2020. And um the last both times that I went through it, there was a person on my uh on my four step who was a previous boss of mine who fired me. and I I did not just resent this man. I hated him. I hated him. And every time I thought of him, I would get sick to my stomach and I and I I knew that if I ever ran into him, I don't know what would have happened, but I never wanted to run into him. And um, he was on my fourth step, but he never made it to my eighth step because I didn't think that I owed him an amends. He owed me an amends. I didn't owe him an amends. And um, as I was preparing, so I've done the fourth step again. He was on my fourth step. And this time around, I was able to see through the process that I used during the, the fourth step, the resentment. I was able to see my part in it so clearly, so clearly. And for the first time ever, and this is a third time through this resentment and uh, with this person, for the first time ever, I saw the truth of what happened. I saw my part in it and how I had behaved um, and how by my behavior um, generated his actions to fire me. I could never see that before. Um, and I was, I was shocked when I saw it and someone said to me, after I shared that with them, they said, um, something about putting him on my eight step in my eight step list. And I, my first reaction was, hell no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And then my next reaction was a sense of willingness to put him on my eight step list. Um, I don't know if I owe this man amends. I will find out as I continue to work through my steps. But I am willing today to put him on my eight-step list. That in and of itself is huge. And when I started um, um, reading up on this step and I, in the big book, it says, um, it starts out with, now we need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. Let's look at steps eight and nine. We have we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. So right there, the big book says, in my fourth step, I generated a list of people that I owe amends to. This man was on my fourth step, and it says we are willing to make amends. Well, how come we jump right into eighth step with I'm willing to make an amends, make amends? And what I realize is because if I do a thorough fourth step, a thorough resentment four-step on a person and I see my part my part so clearly as I did with this man how can I not be willing to make amends I mean I had probably more than 50 percent of responsibility in that whole chaotic mess that I had been blinded to for years so I went from being the victim in that situation to um, not really being the perpetrator, but actually being a huge part of the problem. And my resentment towards this man lifted and the possibility that I could go to him and make amends became real. Um, I, I don't know if I can emphasize enough how life-changing that was for me with this particular resentment that I became willing to make an amend. Now he is on my list. I don't know if I'm going to have to make an amend. I kind of hope I don't have to. But if I do, I am willing to do it today. And that's what—that's why these steps are so, synchro- so beautiful <laughs> done together. Because if I do them in the order that they're laid out to do, by the time I get to the next step, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for step 11 or step eight. And by the time I get to step eight, I'll be ready for step nine. It all just kind of unfolds. But I can't rush the process and I can't um, make make me change me. That's God's job. And I have to continue to keep putting it in God's hands. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in this book, but um, and then I also turn to the 12 and 12. I think the two concepts that came out so clear to me as I look at this step is that um, the steps eight and nine are concerned with personal relations. And. Um, And it says we take a look back and then we make our amends and then we look forward to how we can continue to um, develop the best possible relationships with every human being we know. Um, Learning how to live in the greatest peace, partnership and brotherhood with all men and women of whatever description is a moving and fascinating adventure. So that's what this step is about. Um, On page 77 of the big book, it says our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And I can't do that if I'm walking around filled with resentment, filled with, um, thanks Jackie, filled with um, resentment, filled with hatred, uh, filled with envy, filled with critical judgment. Um, I can't be of maximum service to God and others when I'm in that condition. So. in the 12 and 12, it talks about forgiveness. And it also talks, what I like about the 12 and 12 too, is it also talks about the damage that we've done ourselves through our behavior. And, um, you know, my amends to myself is working these steps. My amends to myself is staying abstinent, um, working my program every day, doing my 10 steps, my 11 steps of sponsoring, um, going to meetings. That's my amends to myself. And as I Learn to forgive myself for my past. I was, I did a four-step resentment on myself um, because I was so bound up with self hatred. And today, uh, I guess I am on my amends list, you know, because I am taking action. I am willing today to go to any lengths. Um, it says in the Big Book again: if we haven't the will to do this step eight or make amends, um, we ask until it comes. So I may not be willing to make an amends, even if it's on my list, but I just pray and I ask and I continue to ask God, remember, it was agreed at the beginning, we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol, over food, over my addiction. And, um, you know, I, I can't say that I always feel absolutely willing, but um, I do the work and um, and I have, I think one of the most important things for me in my recovery process um, is the fellowship. Our people, uh, my, my little group you know, that I turn to and I call and I ask for help and I do 10 steps with and I talk about things that are going on in my life. Um, I couldn't do it without the fellowship. I couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, this program was never meant to be worked alone. And so I need the fellowship of all of you. And just knowing that you're out there doing the deal, just like I am every single day, gives me strength, gives me courage, gives me hope. Um, And that's really um, what I want to give to others today, too. I'm really grateful to be here, grateful to be a compulsive eater, bulimic, anorexic restrictor in recovery today. And um, it's a miracle. Thanks. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you so much,
3: Nancy. What a wonderful share. Okay, um, we will now open the meeting for
0: questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing in questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you are on, you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, Jackie, please set the timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer.
3: Okay, uh, Meredith, take it away. Um, Stacy? Can you unmute Stacy?
2: Hi, um, Nancy, um, I've known you for a while now and you've known me, but I've never heard your full story. And wow, I was so touched by it. Um, I could relate to it so well and I don't even know what to say. Um, I just basically just Um, was in the kitchen and I just started to cry. That's how much it really touched and I could really resonate with it as a bulimic, I guess, as almost an anorexic, just everything. Um, Just thank you so much for um, sharing your story tonight. I really had to hear it um, because I really have been struggling lately. So thank you
3: and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Stacy. Would anyone else like to share? Hi, I have a question in the chat somebody
1: who is sick and lost their voice. They wanted to know if Nancy can please talk more about how she went from hitting a bottom to starting over her abstinence eight or nine months ago would be very helpful to hear what gave her the willingness. Thank you for this powerful share.
3: Thank you. Um, well, the first thing
1: that comes to my mind is I had experienced what recovery was and I, and I lost it. Um, I had peace of mind and neutrality around food. I had a fellowship around me. And as soon as I decided to um, pick up and be dishonest about it, it was like, um, you know, someone says when I'm dishonest, um, it's like putting a sign in my heart, keep out God. And that's how I felt. I felt, um, like I felt like I was alone, so utterly alone and abandoned. And I mean, it it was just a horrible feeling. And I knew that I didn't have to feel that way because I had had freedom from that. So I think it was, I think that was it. It was just the emotional turmoil that I was going through and um, the fear um, and the, like I was once again on the outside looking in. And that's where I had been uh, um, all my life and I didn't wanna be there anymore. So it was a pain. It was a pain that made me willing to um, start over again. I hope that answers your question.
4: Thanks, Nancy. I'm gonna make myself up next on Meredith B. in Nashville, compulsive overeater. Um, I don't even know what it was that you just said, but it, well, it was, uh, when you talked about feeling like you were on the outside looking in and it just reminded me that I, I want, I need to be in the center of the herd, you know? Um, plus two nights ago I had a dream where I picked up and it was awful. I mean I could cry right now just thinking about it. I mean it's I can laugh about it when I retell it because not only <laughs> I um I got high and ate Cheetos like in my dream and I was like how am I going to tell this to my sponsor <laughs> like it was just and I I could feel myself just like being pulled away, like, well, I might as well, might as well hang it up because I don't know how to come back from this, but thank God for you all. Thank you. Um, you know, I to have my people that I've found in this fellowship and it's as you're saving my life. And, um, Gosh, somebody on the meeting this morning on a vision said, it's almost indescribable um, the friendships or fellowship I have. And it is, it just is. I was talking to somebody at work today who um, she was trying to, she was, she's been commenting on my appearance, which has bothered me but she finally just asked me um, what's going on. And I finally just told her, I said, you know, I'm in a program, it's a fellowship, it's like um, AA for eating disorders and um, food addiction. And we talked about it and you know what, she opened up to me and said, and she's, um, I mean, we pulled her out of retirement to do this job. So she's in her sixties and she said, I used to do that. She told me about, you know, her stint with bulimia. And so, you know, there's a door open there, but she just was talking about my aura, which, I mean, I don't know. I just, I can accept that now because I know it's true. I know, I feel, I'm a new person. I'm a (laughs) totally different person than the one who, you know, definitely over a decade ago walked into my first meeting and even, thank you. And even since May, totally changed. So thanks with that, I'll pass. And CJ, you're up.
3: Good evening, everybody.
4: It's CJ recovered anorexic, bulimic,
2: compulsive overeater. I'm um, really happy to be here. Nancy Z, what a, what a beautiful share. Related so much um, to what you shared about the the, the self loathing around um, long term bulimia, active bulimia, um, and and what really struck me with um, your share was a, around willingness. Um, was the I'll I'll put the person on my list. Like that's all I have to do. I don't have to figure out what to do with that at this point. Like that's the first step. And, um, um, I have had that experience and just putting somebody on my list and seeing what would happen. Um, part of part of what's been going on with me around amends. Um, I, I made amends to my sister and. A a while ago, and it was. And and maybe some, maybe to hear some experience with with this if you have it. I had it it wasn't that I I was willing to make amends, but I wasn't willing to accept the result. Um, I had an expectation of what would happen, and, and part of it was I thought that we would have a different relationship, like I would. My sister and I have had always a a difficult relationship and I thought by owning my part that maybe something would open up. And really what she's telling me is, my living amends to her is leave her be. Just leave her be and stop chasing her love and expecting us to have a different relationship. And and my living amends has been trying to listen to what would be helpful to her and be of service to her, which is really helping taking care of my mom. It really has nothing to do with, her. and and it like there's a there's a part of that that really hurts me around, um, and it's the evil of thinking that I would have like I would get some result or some gain from making amends with her and um, and and just letting the result be. And what, what was really beautiful of that is kind of the one of the most difficult days of that when I was um, in a lot of pain, crying a lot, called fellows. Like, Higher Power just laid out, there were about three or four women who contacted me that day, and it was just Higher Power trying to tell me, here are your sisters. Like, you're looking for sisterhood in the wrong place. And um, which was a beautiful message, but just if you have any experience around having having outcomes that maybe maybe i had expectations for that didn't quite work out and
3: how how to work through is that part of it if that makes any sense thanks for that me share. sorry did you want me to speak to that cj okay um I can't, I
1: can't really say that I've had an experience with that. Most of the people that I have made amends to, um, have been very receptive and, um, yeah, so I'm sorry. I don't have any experience with that, but I'm sure that people in this, in this meeting do, um, and hopefully you can,
3: they will reach out. Thanks. Melissa, you are up. Thanks, Meredith. Thanks for your service. Melissa recovery, compulsive
2: over eater. Sugar addict tonight emotion eater. Uh thank you so much, Nancy. That was a beautiful, beautiful share. I also got really touched at the, you know, you describing that that period where you felt like you were on the outside looking in. And um yeah, I just found it very powerful, and I was
3: wondering if you could speak a little bit to um, what your prayer and meditation practice looks like. Thank you for your service. Yes,
1: I'd love to. Thank you, Melissa. Um, so, when I get up in the morning, I have half an hour at least that um, that I spend in prayer and meditation. I do. Uh, my husband is also in recovery, so the both of us will sit down and we'll do readings together. And sometimes we discuss them, you know, like if we don't understand it, or if something really, um, really jumps out at us, uh, we have three readings that we do. And then we go into 10 minutes of uh, meditation. We used to play music, but now we're just quiet. We just have it quiet. And I have to tell you at one point, that 10 minutes seemed like it took forever. And now it just, boom, it just kind of flies by. Um, and just in that 10 minutes, I don't try to make anything happen. I just kind of start out with a prayer and then I listen and, um, my mind will wander and I bring it back. And I really focus on God during that time and trying to, you know, listen and hear what, what God wants me to know with my thoughts. And then, um, usually after that 10 minutes, my husband gets up and leaves and then I might do another 10 or 15 minutes of uh, journaling, praying, reading. I have some prayers that I I say every day. And just recently, I've been focusing on gratitude um, because I was sorely lacking in it um, uh, last week, (laughs) the week of gratitude, and I was sorely lacking in it. Um, And I started listening to this YouTube that somebody shared with me on gratitude that is just beautiful. And so I do some of that sometimes, but... um, then at night, uh, before I go to bed, I do my uh, my nightly review, and I um, and I've started to do a gratitude list that I send to three or four people now, and just just to end the day with gratitude. Um, and then you know that that's pretty much my formal. Throughout the day, I pray or you know I I connect with God as as often as I remember. But that morning time is really um, very sacred to me, and I do it every morning sometimes I don't quite get half an hour in depending on what's going on, but it's uh, it just is like an appendage.
3: Now I have to do it. So I hope that helps.
4: Thanks, Nancy.